In this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Lee McGregor of Mitchell McGregor PR. And Lee will be discussing how you can grow your tourism business through the power of public relations. Welcome to episode 227 of the Digital Tourism Show. How are we? Very good. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Well, thanks for joining. <laughs> uh, I'll get this changed as well so we don't get an animated thing behind us. There we go. So, uh, no, again, thanks for joining us. So, it'd be good to know a little bit about yourself <coughs> and your business and what it is you, you do yourself. Well, I'll go kind of. And how, how, did you, yeah, how did you get into PR in the first place? Sorry, I'm a little bit distracted by the candy canes here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a really roundabout way of getting into PR, but I think that's quite common for people in this industry. Um, so I studied design from school. Mm -hmm. My degree is art history and English. Nice. But the three of those things actually I use on a daily basis. Not art, I don't analyse, mm -hmm. you know, Renaissance paintings. Yeah. But it's that ability to kind of delve beneath the surface of something and, and, and read the big like the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. There's also quite a lot of kind of cultural information that comes yeah. from doing a degree like that. English, obviously, um, writing is something that you have to do in all different forms on a daily basis, long writing, caption writing, um, grammar, spelling, all of that kind of stuff. Just and a then, I almost, I'm yeah. starting school. And then the <laughs> design stuff, the, how sort of everything's become much more tech in 20 years. And just going right back to when I, my sort of first job, if you like, in, in PR marketing, that I didn't have a mobile phone, didn't have a computer, my company didn't have a website. So the design side, it's actually working really well. I, can, I design my own website. I can design graphics for Instagram and, you know, so that, that's really... I had a computer at college, but I didn't have one in my real life. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah so, so my first sort of real job was having a guest house in St Andrews with five letting bedrooms um, and we had um, no website. So I even think we had business cards. So that was, so it was four years of doing that and, and sort of learning the trade. I'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, then I went to work at St Leonard's School in St Andrews. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. So I was there for another four years. And it was an, it was an all-girls boarding school and it was changing its identity in the time I was there. So it went from being all-girls to being co-ed. The time that I came in, the boarding side of the business was, you know, almost gone uh, I think they had their lowest numbers ever it was like a third of the numbers that they'd had at their peak so they had to do a rebrand and I was there at that time when they did that so they brought boys in they had uh, a day it was a, they wanted to really compete with the day schools in the surrounding area um, so I watched how there was a director of marketing a director of development um, so someone trying to get money, someone spending money. <laughs> and I was kind of watching how all this was going on, sort of assisting both of them. And then all the money was spent, the budgets got cut, and guess what? Guess what comes in at that point? Yeah. No, no, PR. Yeah, PR yeah. <laughs> so PR kind of, I didn't even know that I'd been doing that in the guest house, but it kind of started to make sense. It was more about having relationships with the, 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 there was all sorts of people, teams. There was sales teams in China trying to bring boarding students in. But there was, you know, we knew there was 
families that had girls, older girls with younger boys, and we didn't want them to send them to the other school. We wanted, so we had to do <clears throat> much more intimate marketing with them. So I started uh, an in-house newsletter. I think I did 21 by the time I left. Um, <clears throat> and this again was just going out with a camera, finding stories. It was a bit, bit like being a journalist as well, working in PR. You have to kind of do that, that, that stuff. Too, yes. Yeah, and then partnering with the local press and kind of getting them on side. They're not this aloof all-girls school that doesn't have anything to do with the people of the town. Um, so sort of in, integrating with the community. So that was, that was when I thought, I really want to do this. I want to do PR, but I'm not really that passionate about this sub-education. Mm -hmm. just wasn't really exciting me that much. So I thought, I know, I'll move to Edinburgh. I'll join an agency and then I'll start my own. And pretty much that's what I did. So I joined an agency that just happened to be fab at the time for food and drink clients. So I launched Martin Wishart's Cook School. I worked with the George Hotel. I worked with a ski company. Um, Premier and Ed, so I had some really great clients, but it was a nine to five mm -hmm. job. I couldn't really go out without asking the boss if I could meet clients. I had all these crazy ideas, but no, you can't say that. We're, they're not spending enough money to suggest that we do that for them. So um, I thought, well, okay, yeah. I'll go on my own. So I went out on my own. I actually spent six months just doing research and getting to, because I thought, I'm quite new in Edinburgh. I can't just storm in and, and sort of take over and start working with people. I had a, God, what are those names of those clauses where you can't take your clients that you oh, had at an agency? Yeah, so I couldn't do that, which would have been handy because I could have got a couple of them, but it didn't happen that way. But in a way, that's quite good. So that was 11 years ago. So I've kind of built up what I'm doing slowly. <clears throat> my reputation's built, I've built my reputation slowly. Over those 20, 21 years, so many things have changed. You can imagine from no mobile phone to now having, I mean, I'm so glad I haven't even looked at my phone for about four hours. I've got so, every single perceivable <laughs> way of, of communicate, people communicating with me. I mean, I'll, it'll be Google Maps next. I'll be driving here and some, something will pop up, you know, <laughs> your clients in this region, would you like to go and visit them? Um, so, Yes, I hope that answers your question. To be honest, it's a way a lot of people started out in business. I was exactly yeah, the same. Yeah. Or get fed up with the people I was working with. And, very much <laughs> thought, well, I could do, I could do a bit and then you start your own business so yeah, that yeah. all your staff can get fed up working with you. Yeah, oh, just left. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but from, uh, from experience working with um, so many tourism businesses, you know, I've, I've typically found that PR is, is, is one of these things that they tend to think last about because they mm -hmm. want to get on Facebook, they want to get on this and that, social media and they just want instant sales and everything yeah. else. So how, how do you persuade your customers that PRs are, can provide really long term value in terms of what they're doing? I'll answer that in a sec, but just really quickly a thought's popped into my head. Mm -hmm. So in PR should be under should should in my opinion you shouldn't really know about it. A really good if you're working long term with a PR company they shouldn't be obvious. It should, you, they should be they they're taking the glory. Mm -hmm. The client, yeah. I mean, not the PR agency. They're sort of steering mm -hmm. under the radar, mm -hmm. coming up with good, encouraging. They should be knowledgeable about what it is that they're helping you with. Mm -hmm. To a certain extent, I mean, I was talking to a guy who's Land Rovers, at 4x4 tour agency. Obviously, I, you know, I wouldn't have a clue about running that business, but I understand what I'd be looking for if I was you know, deciding to go on an adventure holiday. You know, there's the sort of common sense elements to it. Um, and it does get a bad rap because it's, you know, it's 
spending loads of money, or you're just going to spend all my money. You're going to make me buy cases of champagne and invite every journalist and blogger and influencer within a 50 mile radius, and then we're going to have no coverage from it. You know, so there's, it's, so there's a there's an element of that. Yeah, you have to have a spend, but actually, what's more important is investing your time if, as the client into what you're doing. And, and you, when, I, when I'm saying as the client, if it's just you, you're a one man band, and that's your business you kind of have to set that time aside right from the offset. Uh, that's the kind of the best way to do PR. My best clients, the ones that get best results, are the ones that invest time to speak to me, to give me, to work with me on ideas, to give me content, to give me yeah, things so to work with. Yeah, so you get PR, leave it, let them go with it, you have I'm to. brilliant, go and do some PR on me, but I'll need, I need you to then, uh, la la la. Sorry, so going back to um, <clears throat> just what your question was there, and yeah, there is a. I think did you did you see um, uh, people want instant yeah. sales? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is one of the most common mistakes that I come across. Uh, we've got fifty tables to sit in the restaurant this weekend on a Friday night. You know, getting that message, or if it's a hotel, oh, it's it's the thirty first of May. June's looking really quietly. What can we do? Ah, <laughs> what what are you? Um, I'm not saying it's impossible to do something because that's not the, not true. But we should. I've been sort of asking you for things for, for ideas for, for a while, or you know, let's plan in advance. Let's get a bit of strategy going on here. But if you do find yourself in that situation, which you do sometimes, you know, you just you've overlooked it. You've been busy. Staff have been on holiday. Whatever the situation is, it's the way you approach it. It's this panic marketing which I see, and I you know it sends shivers up my spine. And you must see it all the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, why is someone on a whim going to spend £200 plus <laughs> with that, for, just because you've asked them to? I mean, yeah. no. You, so this is when it becomes sort of the, the and I'm going to go on to talk about storytelling, but that kind of thing really comes into play when you get, you can be a bit more creative. And if you feel confident um, really being yourself and really giving your, your business a voice, that is the time to use it. So be more, um, just just be inventive. With, with And if you really do want to go down the sales route, be bloody obvious with it and say something like, I've got, you know, four tables free tomorrow night. The first one to answer this tweet gets, uh, you know, a kiss from the chef and pudding on the house or something, you know, just, get, you know, <laughs> rather than... We've had a last-minute cancellation. If you ever see that, that's absolute rubbish because no <laughs> one's ever. Unless it's a restaurant that's unless it's a restaurant that's genuinely booked up for it for forever, you know, you, you can you can pretty much say that that's. So yes. So how do I convince clients that it's best in the long term? Um, I can't really convince them. I have to prove it. Mm -hmm. So often it's just a case of them knowing who I've worked with and seeing other things that I've done and you know reputation alone I've secured accounts where I've never actually met the people in person but they've seen what I've done and they've had recommendations from people but the, the you know the really first thing to do is to get super clear on who you are not just what you are so who you are and that sort of human element that personal element in any business any business you can think of unless you're I was saying earlier came into my mind you know you sort of you're selling medical equipment to another you know you even then there's human interaction so if you've got cop if all your sales are purely done online 
and you've got a bot answering everything and there aren't any human beings to buy the ticket for whatever it is event that you're going to if you've got a tour company or something like that. There's still, someone's written the copy. Presumably when they go to the event, there's gonna be a human being there unless it's a, a robotic staged event, well, which it might be. Are coming, <laughs> well, that's a whole other <laughs> discussion. So there's human interaction in all of those, you know, in every sort of juncture of, of the sales process. So just, you know, sticking to the facts, get clear, get, being clear on your facts, that's all very good, but you have to add that extra layer to it and some personality to it. And that's the bit that's really hard and that's the bit that people can find really hard to do by themselves. So that's where an agency can really help you. It's a bit like therapy. In <laughs> but in the sense of I've found clients that have, Oh, I really don't want to talk about that. Would you think? And then you, know, you have to coax them into it. Yeah, yeah. And once you start to do that, I mean, I've had some who've gone away and become, you know, where's who wants to interview me next? Where's the camera? You know, there's. It can be. It can be. It's. It, it, once you sort of find that voice, it can be really, and it, that also inspires the rest of your team. Or if you're a solo person or just a, a, a small company, you can you can inspire the people that you work with and collaborators. So it's definitely worth making that your sort of number one thing on your list to do. Um, and it says on my website, I think that PR is the heart of all good businesses, which of course it is. But it is, and it doesn't mean that, you know, you, you've got this flashy agency that you work with. Everyone is doing their PR every minute of the day. Um, if you answer the phone, um, and it's, I don't know, hello, the Radisson Red, you know, that's PR and that's bad PR, you know. If it's good morning, madam, how may I direct your call? You know, all of these things, you need to sort of look at every aspect of that. I think Amanda and I were talking earlier about how um, this country in particular, she was saying, is bad for people assume that you know what you do, and it's the word obviously, I think, you used. But obviously, I, you know, help people assume don't 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 assume people are stupid but just give them a little bit of help it's always nice to have um something to be reassured when you're you know even if you're trying to get put through in a hotel sometimes if i want to change a booking somewhere you've got to go through a few departments um what a difference that can make to, to your perception of that that business so look at all of those things you know Take a real step, a real step back, and look at your your logo, the, the lighting, all of this stuff is, is kind of the stepping stone. Because if you then bring me into your PR and I come in and you've got like full beam lights on in a fine dining restaurant, or your logo looks like it's castor oil, but it, it's a it's a sugary drink, or you know whatever, it, you, you've kind of got to that get that work sorted out by yourself, or work with a really good branding or design agency to do that first um, just makes everything so much smoother so there are no shortcuts really but on a kind of to, to make it not seem like so much like hard work you just have to trust your trust yourself and go with what you know and if you think well, I don't really know about that I'm not sure I see menus a lot as well that are there's too much on them they're too fussy and once you've pointed it out and once you've reduced the help to reduce the menu, they're like, I knew that's what I wanted, but I just didn't. I thought, you know, I was thinking about, you're trying to think about every single customer that you have. Um, 
and be something to everyone. But if you think about it, the best places that you go, the best experiences you have, people are quite confident and self-assured with, with, with what they do. Um, and then thinking about ways to grow your business with PR. Um, it, so it really does depend on how the business works, how I work with the client. Some people just, you know, they're, they're little human dynamites and they're doing so much by themselves. But quite often, and this is a thing that I see a lot, um, people do their own PR, they get really enthusiastic about it. They're, they've got a million ideas, they're, they're putting things on Eventbrite, they're, set, they're, they're updating the website every five seconds and then either something else happens, they go on holiday or they just get, they run out of ideas or they get burnout. out. So there's that consistency and that momentum just falls flat. So uh, one thing about having an agency working or working with, or just identifying someone in-house who's going to do it, or you know, you could be doing a contra deal with someone, you've got a niece who's studying marketing or something, and she can come in and help you. But, but, but treat it, take it seriously. Yeah. Do, it's not the kind of little fluffy bow on the top of your business, it isn't. It has to be, um, you know, and you know how your culture is and how it's going to work. Some people don't want to let everyone in on it. Although I have WhatsApp groups with clients, and every, they're the ones that really work. When everyone on the floor, people in the management, the owners, have all got access to this and we're all sharing information. And if something, you know, I kind of, the final editor of what's going to get put out on social media or, um, and then I can make a little nice little bank of stories. But doing that, I find doing it in a team way is, is a very, very good way of doing it. So if you've got, if, even if you're sort of outsourcing some of the things that are an element of your event or your tour or your, um, hotel, your restaurant, whatever, you know, I, I ask, um, I could just ask a wine supplier to write a blog for a client and they're, they're delighted to be asked. We're driving traffic to them, you know, tr just think yeah. there's, a, there's always a way of, of, of sort of extracting yeah, stories. It's asking your own partners and suppliers. Exactly, and well, so yeah, it, precisely. Uh, I've just written down here my note, in-house burnout, so I think I kind of covered that, but there is a there is a kind of element of that, so to get, so so mo so moving it out and and um, speaking to your suppliers, your customers is is quite a good way of avoiding that. I think <laughs> I actually like my little notes here. Bland posts. So what happens when you know you've got you've got your niece coming to do marketing, just sitting at her desk two hours a day, thinking right, I've got to come up with social media for my uncle's restaurant this week. What am I going to do? The uncle's gone away on holiday for two weeks, left her with nothing. She's not really communicating with the on-the-floor staff. So she looks out the window and she goes, oh, it's raining. Come in and have a hot chocolate. It's cold outside. You know, it's... It, it, who wants to read that post, really? Unless it's the most amazing picture of a hot chocolate and you've got, or you've got... You know, and this is, a, this is such a common... You know, you're actually better to, to, to sort of not say anything almost or rehash something from before so try you know avoid that at all costs that that sort of bland posting it just makes me depressed it's so sad <laughs> it just it's awful do you know what i'm talking about you, do, you, do you see it on your social media feeds and it's like it's cold outside come in and have a hot drink great great is it okay it's not really going to drive you to go in come up with something a bit better than that and then um Another th uh, another point that I just want to make quickly before the first slide goes up is to s is to see it as an investment. 
and it's not just a financial investment it's a time investment it's you know it's it's something that you have to you can't say right we're going to get some PR and then go and then go and hand it off and, and think well that's it they're going to do it you have to invest it you, you really have to invest in it and it's like most things you get what you pay for if you're going to say to someone well I really want you to do some PR but I really we can only do it for two months and I'm going to be awake and you do it. it's not you're not going to get the same results if you say, I want you to really be dedicated on this campaign for at least six months or a year. I want you to really get into the business and, and look at all the areas and you're going to get more of your money. Yeah, because it would definitely have a, because it's more long term, you have to have that strategy in place for a good six yes. months a year, as you say, so yeah. you do the same with marketing and stuff like that. So there's no point in trying to do something for two or three months and it just suddenly disappears. No. Um, <laughs> oh! Well, while we wait on yeah. there's someone coming along, it was going to be a slide of a TED talk, and I just thought it would just be good for you to take a picture so you could watch it. Um, so we're, this is where I always start at the client, and it's photography. It's absolutely... People say content is king. You can kind of get away with rubbish content, but you can't get away with rubbish photography ever or videography. I tend to work more in, 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 with yeah. photography. So the slide is a TED talk on uh, how photography connects us by David Griffin, who is the photo director at National Geographic. So it's got nothing to do with PR, but it's got everything to do with understanding photography and how the, 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 the kind of ability that a single image can yeah. have in communicating something. Um, it's, uh, I think there's, there's any writers in the audience, I know Amanda's a writer, but is anyone else? Yeah. So if you're, if you're given something, I can imagine being a journalist even, you, you've got this amazing event to sell or whatever, and you don't have an image to go with it. Yeah. Not going to write about it. You're, you sent the amazing image with it, you're 10 steps ahead of everyone else who's got the kind of, you know, the, uh, the same image that they've sent. It's really, 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 really important. Um, I'm going to give you an example. Actually, my sister was away at the weekend and she sent me a link on Sunday night, just the hotel which she stayed at in Cumbria. She lives in Cumbria, but she went to a hotel in Cumbria because that's what you do. Um, <laughs> but it was a really lovely place, and I could, I could, I could read between the lines, and I could see what, what kind of place. It was understated. It was, I think it called the Boar's Head or something. It was the kind of place that might have been on the trip, but not. It was that kind of vibe. Um, but the photographs were, oh, I mean, it was just, it was, they were good. A professional had definitely gone in and, and taken these photos. The whole marketing conversation was probably, you know, those photos will do, that's great, it, you know, the, it's clean, it's tidy, but there was no life in it, there was no element, and it doesn't need to be a populated shot, because I know they can be really difficult to do, and actually they can backfire and they can look really cheesy, central, um, but what I often do is find just a member of staff so you can get an idea of the tone of the uniform, and it doesn't have to be, they can be blurring, or setting a table, or just something to give you a bit of atmosphere, or take an angle that's you know, got a bit of foliage you're looking through or, you know, just, just not that is the room and that's what it looks like. Um, and my sister got a really, and I was thinking, she got a good deal on that hotel. Why are they, why are they having to do that? Why are they not getting their full rate? Mm -hmm. 
and I thought, well, I should just phone them up and say, sort your photography out. And, yeah. But, it, it, you know, there, there's, there's a, so you spend all this time doing all the other elements, you know, buying in the ingredients, cooking them from scratch, and then something like the photography, which is the very first thing someone is going to see, is sort of not taken as seriously. It's a shame. Um, so, yeah, and just thinking about photography as well. So your customer isn't going to analyse it in that, detail but what the customer does know what what's a bad photo they'll know that even if they're really artistically hindered they'll know the difference between a bad photo a good photo and a great photo instinctively they will just know because we're looking at images from the day we're born and we know what's good and we know what's used in these kind of situations so um even if you yourself maybe aren't 100 percent sure on this element Trust, get a good photographer, get someone like me and do, to do the brief and do the art direction. It's the, one of the best investments you'll ever make. And you could, I mean, if you do it well as, as well, and your, your product's not going to change too much, I mean, you can, you, this could be lasting you for a very long time. Another thing that I see quite a lot with clients, uh, um, you know, they're reluctant to maybe spend in some areas, but this is what I call advertising scaremongering. So there's, um, you know, there's, an, there's an amazing deal. That this advert should be £2,000, but for, if you book it by five o'clock today, this is at one o'clock in the afternoon, it's £200. And people, you know, you think that's maybe not, that adds up when, when clients keep doing that and it's kind of throwing your money away. And I'm really confident about um, saying no. When they say, what do you think of this lead? No. What do you think? No. No, because it's not consistent. If you're going to spend like that, you need to, as you know, invest in a strategy. You know where it's going to be placed, who's going to be looking at it, who the target audience is. Just thinking you're saving £1,700 here and there, it really adds up. And when I had the guest house, um, we inherited it with an RAC membership, an AA membership, and a Scottish tourist board membership, pre visit Scotland days and the bills were coming in and it was like the second year and I'm thinking what am I get, what am I actually getting for the REC membership apart from you know the plaque outside an entry in the guide I couldn't couldn't work it out we only had five lighting bedrooms that's enough and you know uh, on a Tuesday in the middle of December you're not going to be full occupancy so um but so, so, so I just made a decision, and it was kind of based on instinct. The, the Scottish Tourist Board is the only one I can really connect with. They've got an office in the town. I can, you know, get them down here, show them round the the guest house, show them what I've, what, what I've got for sale, really sort of make a connection with them. Okay, I'm then going to spend, I think it was 10%, something like that, of the room. But what I got was loyal customers off that who never who didn't go through the Scottish Tourist Board. I got a real face. I got real people to speak to. It was, um, it was you know, quite a good decision just to go. No, 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 not interested. So, um, I would. There's a what, visit Scotland guy here. Yeah, sorry, I'm looking right at you. I was going to say I'm going to, I'm going to. So, so if you're going to do, if so, if you are going to invest in a membership of something, do it properly. Don't, don't be sort of scared or or bullied, if you like, into what you're going to be missing out on. Choose one thing and do it well. So, if it's Visit Scotland that you're a member of, get to know your industry relationship person. 
get the get your bloody money's worth. Get photography done that they'll want to use in a campaign. Get all those fam trips sorted out. Get your PR agency, like I work with Visit Scotland PR teams in Edinburgh. And, you know, every time there's a journalist coming on, you know, someone coming from Australia, an amazing influencer from China, they're on the phone or they're emailing me and they're 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 putting me in touch with these people. Stick to that. Yeah. Do it. You know, see that as um, one thing that you feel you have to kind of stick with what you. I hate to say this, but I've had I have had clients over the years that have gone. I don't know why I pay my membership for Visit Scotland or, or another thing they're a member of. And if you feel like that, pull out of it. Don't do it. But you, you invest that energy on on something that you that you you, you do get some um, what you feel is value back for your money. Um, uh, so. So, so uh, well, I don't know how long this is going to take the size and stuff like that. So, in terms of in terms of the PR side of things, you know, obviously, um, is there any sort of really good success stories you can share that you've had with your own customers or things that you've maybe seen from other agencies that you thought worked really really well in terms of PR? Well, there's, I mean, what I was really hope to do is lead on to the storytelling aspect of of what it is that you're doing, and that that um um kind of worked in with the slide that I was going to put up. <laughs> but the, be I think the, the, the best success stories I've seen is where they've been, there's been a journey. You've, you've, you kind of see, what you, you can see where the idea for the business has come from through some form of storytelling. Simplify your message. Don't assume that people know what it is that you do. Get it as kind of simple as possible, if you like. Like, something like we believe that, that, that um, food should be served in this way. We believe, we really believe that family is at the heart of, 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 our, of our business. You know, make that message really consistent and keep repeating it. Um, I think sometimes people think, well, we've told that story once, we did an interview once with that. It's, you know, it's kind of old hat, but I liken it to when you're a child and you have a, gra a, a grandparent's got a story that they tell you that you love to hear over and over again. Or you'll, you maybe say to your mum, can you tell me what I did when I was two? You know, that funny story, I love it. I want to hear it again. And I'm not thinking that your you know, customers, are if you're doing a masterclass or an event or something, are necessarily going to want to hear you say exactly the same story. But you need to weave it in to your messaging and weave it into what you're doing um, consistently. So I see, I really do see results and, and, and happy clients when they're doing that, to be honest. I think they, they get something out of it. It's not just about, you're not just, you don't just have a business to make money. I mean, that's obviously important, but a business is about so much more than that. And it's about feeling connected to what you do, feeling at the end of the day that you've made the right career choice, all of these things. But there's a guy called, um, now I'm not going to remember his name. Tom, I was telling you about him on the phone. His company's called Mark, Marketeer, no, Marketoonist.com. Absolutely brilliant. You get, you get one cartoon a week, basically taking the piss out of marketing. It's fantastic. <laughs> and there's, you know, over time they really build up. And they're so true. And there's a, there's a really good story that goes, that goes with each um, cartoon as well but the one that came up was a guy uh, <laughs> sitting reading a bedtime story to his children and it says something like 
you know, and the brand was this and it did really well and it had 50% better sales than last year and all the consumers lived happily ever after the end and the kids are saying, this is boring, Dad. I want Mum. You know, so no one, no one wants your, uh, to hear a story like that, do they? So, you know, it's, it's depressing. I don't actually really care. Unless, I remember actually a journalist telling me right at the beginning um, when, when I was forced to sell in a press release to a journalist. And um, he said, yeah, I'm going to need figures here, Lee. Um, uh, and he said, you know, in a nutshell, unless your client's done something amazing like quadrupled their turnover in six months or, you know, then we're talking six, seven figures, I'm not interested, you know. So it's, you, you, you kind of, it may be great for you, but you have to think, is a customer really interested? Probably not. But here's a, another little recommendation for you, this book here called, that was on a slide as well. It's called Do Story. I don't know if you've heard of the Do Book Company and the Do Lectures, but look them up. Um, so this, I'm gonna read a little bit from here on the craft of story writing. Kipling, that great master of storytelling, if ever there was one, understood that stories must have a basic structure and answer the fundamental questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how? This framework is drunk like mother's milk by all new reporters, all news reporters from day one of their coverage of any story they tell. Ask, as Sergeant Joe Friday would say in his deadpan voice in the US crime show Dragnet, just give me the facts, ma'am, just the facts. However, Kipling also knew that it is what lies behind these facts that creates the emotional connection. And that is the key to great storytelling, or as I call it, the story behind the story. So just that, I love that, the, the facts behind, what lies behind those facts is what creates the emotional connection. Um, and I think if you can find that, you're on the right track. And, and everyone's got an emotional connection somewhere. All businesses have a way of, of emotionally connecting with, with, with whatever it is that they're offering or selling, whatever service. Um, they have, yeah. So, so yeah, just thinking about um, a question that we we'll probably all get asked every time we go to a restaurant is what was it like? And even me as a foodie, and I've asked it actually on Monday night in my fitness class, someone asked what, where I'd been for dinner on Friday night, what was it like? Oh, it was really good. It was, <laughs> it was great. And you know, we, we, we all do it. But there's um, one, of, one of the most memorable restaurants I've eaten at recently was in Valencia. But it's because the whole build-up to it had a story behind it. I met a guy in a shop. He told me all about this restaurant and told me about the family, the generation of families that ran it. And then it was so unassuming from the outside and probably never would have gone in. It was quite intimidating, actually. But then we sat at the bar and we watched it, and it's because we knew this little bit of backstory behind it, we were thinking, is that the dad? And then actually the daughter was sitting next to us after her shift and she was having some wine and we could see what she was looking up on her. She was buying clothes on her computer, but it all had, it just added. So there was so much more than just the food that we were eating. There was this real kind of feeling of pride almost that we'd been part of this family experience. So if we didn't know any of that, if we just went in, we would have thought, well, this place is just a bit, boring we wouldn't have known um so i we recently well, last year we did the launch for fazenda in edinburgh has anyone been does anyone know what it is well if you'd been to visit fazenda and anyone said to you 
oh, I've been to Vizenda, what was it like? You, would, you wouldn't know where to start answering that question. There's the biggest salad bar, I mean, like the size of this room with everything on it. The meat comes out. It's a Rosizio-style Brazilian restaurant on skewers and it's carved at the table and you take it with tongs. And it's a, you know, a real experience. But that is PR. They have, I don't I want to get this right, but I think it's 174-ish covers that they can sell three times a day. So lunch and twice at dinner. And they do it because people are going away and talking about this experience and the word of mouth. And a big part of our PR campaign for that, at the client's request, but brilliantly at their request, was, was bringing people in to the business. Actually, the PR, what you would typically think of as PR, wasn't a big part of it at all. They weren't that bothered about the, the coverage. It was about connecting with people, bringing people through the door, you know that those relationships it's really so in terms of a success story i mean that was i'm thinking restaurants are closing in edinburgh you're you know this is this is going to be hard and it's killing it it's totally killing it um so i suppose what you need to do is kind of figure out what's interesting about what what it is that you do because you market your own company Chris so you're finding really interesting ways of, of doing that you've, you're like a natural in, yeah yeah so you're doing it sort of sub, by what's the word oh, osmosis you're not osmosis I don't know yeah so it's you're not doing it really obviously but it's you know there, there, there's do, do are there events are there um collaborations you can have I love a collaboration everyone's collaborating but I don't think that's ever going to stop I think that's just started and it'll it'll be a fixture because it's like everything in life it's better you don't have a party and just invite people that you know you're really going to get on with if you want it to be a good party you want a mix and you think about your guests and you think about who they're so it's the same with your with your with your PR try and what could you do with your who could you collaborate I mean you and I could have a long conversation about how you could collaborate with your four by four, how you can marry up your photography and your and your four by fours. I mean there's it's ex it's exciting. That's how you should feel about it. Um, rather than oh, I don't know what to do. There's another five businesses like me. There's another ten guest houses on my street. So how can I do anything differently? Rubbish. There's meeting people, talking to people, cross pollinating ideas. One thing will lead to another. I've got so many stories about this that people that have said, go to that event. And they go to the event and they're, oh, 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 they're under duress and they've come away with completely changing what they've got on their menu. Of, you know, a column in a magazine, you know, this, it's, it's incredible how you know, sometimes, that's a good thing about PRs, they can give you a bit of a, a boot um, up the backside to, to get out there and, and, and try, but not try, but harder, but just try and see things with fresh eyes, I think. Well, I'd like to open up the, the uh, questions to the audience, which Jess will get rid of the mic, so if you've got a question, please raise your hand. Um, but before, the, before we go on to the audience, as, as a one piece of advice you give someone, if they wanted to start off, off in PR, what would be the one piece of advice? I think do it from your heart. The, what this word heart keeps coming up. I think it has to be real, and, has, and this word's bandied about a lot, but have integrity and authenticity. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing. And then you'll sort of be guided from there just, just naturally and instinctively. Ask someone how they do it. Ask someone you admire. Ask a friend who's maybe got 
is, is further up with their marketing. You know, don't be afraid to ask people to share how they've done it, but but but, but do it from the heart, or it won't work. Um, thank you very much. That's great. Um, I just wanted to first reinforce what you said about basically being a therapist and <laughs> trying to get companies, um, entrepreneurs to really talk through what they are all about and what the story is. Because I think so many of us don't realize the story that we have. Um, and especially if you're not a writer, if you're not a marketer, you know, by, by training or, or um, by interest, it's really difficult to find that story until someone draws it out of you so yeah. that's yeah. I, your role is is vital and yeah. I just wanted to reinforce that um but can you maybe walk through what it's like to work with a PR agency because I think a lot of um small businesses especially in travel yeah. and tourism it we kind of overlook that aspect yeah. of it so yeah. maybe you can go through like what it's like to to approach someone yeah. like you and what that would well, do for the business. Absolutely. In an ideal world, we wouldn't... Well, sometimes you hit, can hit the ground running and someone's if someone's already established, that's maybe a different story. But if it's, if it's somebody who's... Like, they know what they're doing, they know exactly what they've got to sell, they're launching a restaurant, we do a lot of restaurant launches. If they know all of that already, then that's a slightly different, it's more like me saying, this is what I need from you, tick, tick's more of a, a tick list of things, and then I kind of get on with it and do it. If it's if it's something that, that's new a bit to a business and in their way of working, if that's the question you're asking, then it is really like doing um, a kind of MOT, I suppose, of the business. First thing is, is for me to cast my eyes over as much as the customer will see everything. The social media, I'll look right back in time. Um, I'll look and you know, see what, what comments, what kind of comments they've had, TripAdvisor, all of this kind of information and get a kind of picture of them. Then see what the client feels the problem areas are because obviously you've got to work with a client. You can't um, sort of go in and tell them you need this to, to do that. And then you find some sort of compromise. But then, you know, working through website, the layout of the website, the copy, the photography, all of that kind of stuff, I mean, that would probably take up two or three months to begin with on a normal rate, unless, you know, depends what kind of agency you're working with. If you've, if you've got someone who's um, maybe not got many other clients, like when I first started, I would do more for a client for less money because you kind of do that when you're starting whereas now it would probably be more like a two to three month job then you start to look at you know what kind of you sort of start to get into a groove and you're, you're eking out those stories and where you where you think might be somewhere you can place that client where they can talk about their story um, if they're doing something which to them might seem quite run-of-the-mill and ordinary I think well can I invite someone along can we do I worked with a client um, about three weeks ago on... See, a few years ago, this, there was a sort of a mini award ceremony, ceremony that they hosted in their one of their venues. And years ago, we maybe would have brought lots of press into that and made it a bigger event, but we just went really small and we sold the story to Scottish Field and they made a film. And it was amazing. And because there were so many people at the event that we could tag into this film, it got... But they went really, really good value out of this little bit of PR. Then there was a, a magazine, so, some, so someone in print and someone 
a blogger doing online. They weren't really intrusive on the night, kept the, the, the event very intimate, but it meant we had a, we built up a really strong relationship. So, yeah, ideally we would be doing that slowly, slowly and then clients build up those relationships and kind of get to know what will work. And instead of having to sort of say, well, what are the benefits of doing it this way? They kind of, they kind of get to, to know how, how to work with you that way. Does that answer your question? Well, thanks. I would ask uh, uh, more questions if we could, but because of the technical difficulties, we'll run out of time and I want to get Matt in here as well at some point. So, um, could everybody come back and give a massive thank you to Lee if you get any questions. <laughs> thank you.